0: I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town Podcast. After a brief break, the Food About Town Podcast is back with episode 68, where I talk to George Zhang from Empire Medicinals. Empire Medicinals is a really interesting company, and they're growing mushrooms, and they're growing mushrooms in Henrietta. Some of them are from culinary. We talked about that for a little while, but a big part of what they do is medicinal, and it's a classic, uh, you know, Eastern medicine meets Western medicine. And we talked through that a bunch, too. I definitely learned a lot. And I'm kind of excited to see what they do on the culinary side. But, you know, it's, uh, it was really interesting to learn more about the potential healing powers of mushrooms as well. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and hope you learn a little bit something, too. If you do, uh, reach out to me on Facebook, Food About Town, Twitter or Instagram, at Strumy. This is a proper winter day. It's been a proper winter week, which I really feel good about. Nice in the 20s, scattered, I don't know, what do, what do we call it? Snow flurries?
1: I'd say this is flurries.
0: It I looks flurry-esque. Um, so, and I am here with, why don't you introduce yourself, sir?
1: Thank you, thank you, Chris. I'm George Zhang. I'm a biotech entrepreneur, RIT grad, class of 2013, I believe, I'm losing track of time. Uh, mechanical engineering, founded my first company with a professor of mine and Jerry Horton, who's the sole founder of Cedar Creek, uh, or sole founder of Sweetwater, Jerry was taking waste biomass, figuring out what to do with it, turning it into biochemicals, biofuels. Once he brought on his executive team of Arunis and and his guys, he took the lignin waste stream, took it out, brought it to my professor Carl Lundgren. I was still at RIT, dropped it in front of me and said, "We we got to do something with this," and so fast forward a couple of years we we started a company called Cedar Creek around valorizing lignin waste streams and chris carter who was a co-founder at, at cedar creek and at that time was is a entrepreneur resident at venture creations we asked the question well instead of looking for a thermochemical process so taking heat pressure and Trying to break down the the nutrients of lignin and, and turning it into something valuable, why don't we look for a biological route? So, are, have there been are there organisms in nature that evolved millennia, the enzymatic pathways <clears throat> to use this very tough material that that we know as wood?
0: You dove in. You dove in quick, right? there. I buddy.
1: did. That, that's <laughs> that's what I do.
0: <laughs> let's let's take a quick step back. Yeah. Let's talk about the. Let's mention quick. Put your kind of plug up front for what your what you're working on now, and then we can take a dive back into some of those things. I'll probably stop you along the way so we can, you know, let people in on the process because it's, this kind of stuff is fascinating, but it can be a little bit, uh a little bit dense and challenging for people too. It is, it is. Um So what are you working on right now and why why are you here today basically?
1: Well, we are here today to let the people know in Rochester that there is a new player in town for high quality gourmet medicinal mushrooms. We're speaking of oyster mushrooms, maitake, shiitake, and many of these mushrooms, if you guys are using them in your restaurants, you're probably getting them from farms out in Washington, from Europe, from Asia, maybe a few down south. Very few of these ingredients are sourced locally, Um, even though we have a great environment for it, the right conditions, and plenty of substrate.
0: Yeah, we have a couple of good people doing it local, but... Not at uh, not at any. I mean, they're doing decent volume, but not at a not at a major level. That's right. So, uh, what's the name of your company?
1: The company is Empire Medicinals, okay. and we are a RIT Venture Creations based company. We're a biotech manufacturer, and our mission is to advance health and well being with natural products of paramount, remarkable quality, <laughs> with a focus on culinary medicinal mushrooms.
0: Right, because you're going in two different directions here now. For us, we'll we'll definitely talk about mushrooms. Yeah. We'll talk about ways to use them because I find this part interesting too. Um, you know how we how people use these and how to make it approachable to most people. But you're also taking this in another direction that isn't purely culinary. That's right. So uh, what does what does that entail? Let's let's dive into that first, and then we'll go into the culinary side of things.
1: Okay. So, uh, um, thanks for pointing that, out, Chris. Uh, so backtrack on on where I was earlier. So at Cedar Creek, we... we and
0: what, what was Cedar Creek, the company, doing?
1: Cedar Creek, we were taking lignin waste stream, which lignin is, think of it as the glue in wood. Okay. Okay, lignin, it's a very heterogeneous, complex molecule that varies from tree to tree, and without it, we wouldn't have trees. Um, and millions of years ago, roughly 230 scientists believe that fungi developed the ability to actually start eating this material. And it was only then that the, really the carbon and nitrogen from trees started recycling in our ecosystems. And so these fungi have developed this amazing ecological niche to grow on trees and to eat trees while other organisms can't. All right, that's, All right.
0: that's fascinating because, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, you know, the circle of you know, creation that's and right. destruction and back to creation again. Yeah,
1: and, and they have co-evolved with plants. If we look in the geological timeline... Uh, before these wood-degrading fungi came into being, there was actually a large quantity that we use today as coal and fossil fuels. Was That time period of, of resources uh, occurred because wood-degrading fungi hadn't evolved the ability to degrade wood yet. So after that, the the amount of deposits of coal and and, and, and depressed wood and dead wood Gradually decrease because they started recycling nutrients. Interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. I never would have thought about it that way specifically. Yeah. You know, because it didn't have, it didn't decay in a different way. Yeah. Huh. That's an interesting, interesting yeah. thought.
1: So our, our, the planet, the world we know it as today, we we think we like to think trees are are, are very important, which they are. You know, mm-hmm. they, they take CO2 and sunlight and, and, and turn it into to oxygen and sugar, and, and without them we don't we wouldn't have the energy to, to live. But we also forget that that there are other organisms that are part of this this story of life, and the fungi are usually downsized and and underrepresentative because they're hidden in the, in the earth, hidden in decay matter, and we we don't really see them unless you're outside and you see you just happen to be there at the right time, you'll see some mushrooms blossoming.
0: Because outside, I mean, there's there's uh, you know groups of people locally and around the country and around the world yeah. that. Forage for mushrooms that's right, because there are certain mushrooms that really only grow in the wild, and yeah, it's a whole it's a whole subculture and sub industry of people finding mushrooms and obviously, for those people who are you know into culinary stuff, truffles are a great example that's they only right. grow in certain areas of the world at certain times, and they're so sought after because they're hard to find.
1: truffles are interesting because they're they're symbiotic <coughs> like you and so they grow in the root systems with certain trees, and I, I do know that they like growing with pine trees. I think there are other truffles that probably grow well with, with other trees as well. I know there's a farm out in in New York's outskirts of New York City. They're working on trying to cultivate trees for this uh, exact purpose of, of farming truffles.
0: I mean, it'd be a fantastic, yeah. it'd be a fantastic, essentially invention. You know, figuring how to inoculate the specific trees. Yeah at specific times, to do it outside of their natural region. And their natural region is kind of, you know, France is kind of their natural region. But, you know, there's probably no reason why you couldn't do it somewhere else. It's just that's where they happen to be right now.
1: We might look We might look into it. Yeah. Let's put it that way. I yeah. don't see why not. I yeah. mean,
0: it's, I find challenging, uh, I'm not going to call it plants, but challenging things to cultivate, I find them interesting because... You know, with all the advancements we're doing in, you know, availability of inoculation mm. and growing uh, either the substrate or other things where they can grow, um, I think another one was uh, that I was looking at was a, I think it was fresh wasabi, which was, I was reading about how it grows and where it grows and how challenging it is to do because it loves growing in, in and around cold creeks with That's running right. water. That's right. And how difficult it is to try and cultivate it and grow it, which is why it's really expensive. I think they saw there would be people in the uh, Pacific Northwest that were trying to yeah. uh, trying to grow it you know with running water in trays and things i I love stuff like that it's it's real that's creativity at work
1: yeah well, we like to think that Mother Nature has given us all the ingredients that we need in order to survive, but not only to survive but to thrive and when it comes down to food, many of the molecules that interact with each other when we process them as, as chefs and into different forms, those molecules are, are highly present in, in a lot of fungal organisms. And they get expressed tremendously in, in these fruiting bodies that we, we know as mushrooms. In, in Asia and in, in Europe, Perotis and Shiitake are highly prized. And they're, at this moment, the global medicinal mushroom industries, roughly was, last year was 22 billion. Really? And, and not a lot of Americans know that. Well, from a
0: medicinal perspective only, $22 billion. It was 22
1: billion. So when I say medicinal, some of those, I, I group shiitake and oyster in those as well. Okay. Because shiitake and oysters are considered in our industry culinary medicinal. So what, what that actually means, Chris, is it's, um, not only do they provide the nutritional value that we need from food, mainly protein, very low in carbs very, and no fat. They also provide functionality, the healthful benefits. So they have secondary metabolites that they, you know, they produce because of their chemical processes.
0: Which is stuff like?
1: That are beneficial to humans. Okay. Yeah. So, for example, the, there's a class of polysaccharides that, that's found in the cell walls of all mushrooms and, and fungi known as beta-glucans. And these are highly complex beta-chain sugar that are different than starches. And it's, uh, science has shown that when animals, and humans included, consume this, these ingredients, they modulate the immune system. So you're seeing an uptake in, in natural killer activity, uptake in, in dendritic cell activity, all across the innate immune system, it's, it's activating that. And, and that has significant health uh, benefits. Hmm. On top of that, you have smaller molecule compounds that have antioxidant, anti-inflammatory benefits the oyster mushrooms that I have on, on Chris's table over there. Which are beautiful, by the way. Oh, ma- magnificent. I mean, they're really,
0: they're stunning looking. They're really crisp. Yeah. And obviously since they're, you know, you're growing in a controlled environment, you know, really almost precisely clean. They're, they're beautiful.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And we're, we're always, we're, we're trying to, one of the objects of, of starting this company was uh, how do we push this, the mushroom and fungal industry forward in terms of quality? Uh, and so those mushrooms, uh, at this moment, we haven't measured them yet, but in the future we will be. We'll be measuring them on a molecular level, looking at what compounds are present in, in these mushrooms and <coughs> changing the substrate around to determine how that has an effect on the end composition. Because hmm. uh, we're, we're really taking a scientific approach at defining what quality means.
0: Well, let's, let's talk about that for a second because, yeah. um, actually I'm going to take a step back. We, we met at a uh, rock rock growth event. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the first thing, you know, we were talking about it a little bit was taking that scientific bent at this whole industry. Yeah. Um, You know, when we talk about, when we talk about medicinals and we talk about um, natural herbal remedies, there's uh, a lot of things have debatable science around them. That's right. And there's been a big crackdown internationally and nationally about things that can't be backed up in scientific studies and for me that's that's a big thing that's important to me because you know i appreciate if people feel better about taking things but when it's you know sold as medicine i feel there should be studies to to back up what you're back up what you're offering
1: that's right it's i guess it's just about it's about this this pact between companies and 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 consumers right there should be it's expected that there there's a trust there you're paying me $20, 35 $45 in exchange for a product that should do what it says on the bottle, or at least, very least, have what it says it has on the bottle. And sometimes that's not even met. Sometimes the ingredients aren't there. Sometimes they're actually contaminated with heavy metals. And, and this is because of a multitude of reasons. First one is, uh, honestly, the supplement industry is the Wild West. It really is. If anyone tells you otherwise, they're benefiting from it. So, so be, you know, what? you've been forewarned. And because of that, you have many bad apples, unscrupulous business practices that have led to mislabeling and contamination. And it's a, it's a big problem. We call it the dark issue. This, our, our industry call it the dark issue. And, and we, see th- we saw that as an opportunity, and when we first started investigating the different playing fields, to come in and, and produce products at a higher quality level, what we call paramount quality, which is what we define as, there's three pillars to, to paramount quality. The first one is proven efficacy, simply mean what, what does this compound or these mixture of compounds from different ingredients, what do they do when consumed by humans? So what are the pharmacokinetics, what are the pharmacodynamics, pharma which means how does it get processed in, in your body, how long does it take, and what does it do? You know, what is it affecting on a, on a molecular level? Is it increasing your, your immune system? Your activity, or is it lowering cholesterol, or is it targeting certain hallmarks of cancer? Knock on wood. And we're not saying it treats or prevents cancer because it's a supplement, but we we see that in the future, healthcare is going to change from being instead of Ooh, let's fix ourselves after we break to how do we create the physiological states necessary to preventing sickness in the first place. And so that leads me back to answering the first question you asked me, Chris, was <laughs> you know, we actually see food and medicine as very intertwined and very interrelated. And even though we plan the businesses as separate business segments because there's different customers and different expectations, from the scientific perspective, they're, they're really one and the same. Because you know, if you think about what, really, what food is, we need food to survive. But on top of that, if you're eating three times a day, those are three opportunities to put things in your body that not only feed you, but can heal and keep you from getting sick. And so that's, that's what we call functional functional food. And mushrooms are, are, are wonderful functional foods. Some of them can be cooked, some of them can't be cooked, are, are better used in, in medicine.
0: <coughs> and that's where, you know, I've uh, I worked on your website before, but you're... You are also, along with the purely edible ones like the oysters mm-hmm. and shiitakes we talked about, um, your first product that you're making is an essence or an extraction. That's right. That's so, right. I mean, that that's kind of, that's something people aren't, you know, particularly familiar with here. Um, in, you know, uh, I guess white people in America aren't particularly familiar with these, you know, mushroom extractions and things like that. What are you trying to, what's the one you have now, and what are you trying to get out of that?
1: Our, our first product, Chris, is, is called Lingza Essence, and Lingza is the Mandarin word for uh, this genus of mushroom called Ganoderma, and the the most recognized one is called Ganoderma lucidum. <laughs> is it, being the species in Japanese is called Rishi. This is an ingredient that's been utilized for centuries in traditional Asian medicine, mostly by the rich and the emperors, and was proposed to to extend life and even make people immortal. It was, it's known as the mushroom of immortality. Well, uh, let, me, let me tell you guys, it's not the mushroom of immortality. Okay, <laughs> if, if it was, um, um, I, I, think, I think a lot of people would, would, be, would be using it more than people are today. Yeah, exactly. But with that being said, there are significant benefits to this mushroom. Now, so, you know, scientists over the last 30, 35 years have been diligently investigating the, the chemical composition of, of this one mushroom, but actually its entire genus. So when, when the Chinese and, and the Japanese were utilizing these mushrooms, what they didn't realize was actually they, this is a large genus, uh, and, and there's different colors, and there are actually different sub, you know, subcategories within this genus, and each of these mushrooms grow on their, their own unique ecological niche, their own unique... Substrates, and because of that, their genetics expresses differently, which means their end result, the end chemicals that they produce, are different, from location to location, uh, and strain to strain. So, so, there's a it's a huge genus.
0: Kind of sounds like a you know terroir in a lot of ways. You it's know, very
1: much like that. You yeah. know, you've
0: got your your different. Even if you grow the same mushroom in different environments, that's right. It's going to produce different things in the that's end.
1: That's right. Not not all reishi is, is made the same. Not all mushrooms are are equal. or made the same. And so when we looked at the research and we said, okay, there's a large body of preclinical evidence, you know, different scientists around the world saying it does this in mice, it does this in cell models. Okay, wonderful. Great. What does it do in humans? Because that's at the end of the day, that's what customers want to know. Mm -hmm. That's what doctors want to know. That's what consumers want to know. What does it do? Can you prove it? And so when we saw that there was this gap between the preclinical evidence and, and human clinical evidence, that was a light bulb moment for us. Uh, mainly because my family were you know, my, my father's an md phd mother's a doctor and father's career is has been you know completely dedicated to the study of oncogenesis which is the progression of cancer and so in terms of investigating uh, from a scientific perspective what these molecules do uh, we were very well equipped for that and so we put that And then we realized we needed to control the production of this. So it wasn't enough for us to just source mushrooms from China, where many of these ingredients come from. We couldn't find a a reliable producer of reishi here in the United States. And so we knew, okay, if we could master the technology of mycology, growing fungal species, essentially using these fungal species as vehicles for producing the good compounds, getting that quality system down, upgrading the GMP procedures, making sure we have the best strains, doing trial and error, making sure we have the best substrates. Then we can start investigating what these N compounds do in humans. And then here we are. Our first product is uh, is actually targeting Chinese Americans and Chinese tourists, mainly because uh, these are consumer cohorts that that are very familiar with this product. Not to say that if you're an American, I mean you can feel free to buy from our website. Of course, we're still in our series A. We're, we're ramping up our production. We we finished our first 30 bottles this week, and it's definitely a process.
0: Uh, yeah, how did how did it, how did the first batch turn out? What was the, um, based on what you were expecting chemical wise? How how did it turn out, and what was kind of a surprise? Let's, to Let's
1: let's just say it's um it's a very unique formulation, and so uh, like I mentioned earlier, this is we're using a few strains that um, aren't commercially available. And, and we've tested it and we've screened it um, with a couple external labs. And they've all come back the first time. Uh, uh, the professor we were working with said, George, are you sure this is Ganoderma? And we said, yeah, we're, we're pretty sure. Yeah, <laughs> we've done a genetic test. <laughs> he says, well, I, you know, there's a lot of, he's looking at the peaks and he says, well, there's a lot of good stuff in here, but they're all just different enough where we know uh, they probably have slightly different functionality, or better functionality, or worse functionality. Uh, and so, what we do know is that there's a, there's good stuff in there. There's beta glucans and there's triterpenes. We're still v- very much in the midst of investigating specifically what they do to specific biomarkers, and in, in first in, in cell and animal models and then humans. Our plan is to have our first human clinical trial running sometime you know, this coming Q three Q four.
0: I mean, I love the I love the ambition of taking on taking on trials for that's this right. because it's um, it helps to answer a lot of those questions that people who have scientific backgrounds tend to ask Yeah, you know because that's it's, it's great to target you know markets that already believe in it but the opportunities to opportunities to expand into bigger markets and even get you know get your get studies in front of doctors and other people like that kind of opens up doors that this wouldn't typically be open to.
1: That's right. And and for American consumers in the future, <clears throat> may most likely hear about our products, at least our Ganoderma-based products, firstly because they've been recommended from some of their doctors. That's actually the channels that we're working through. Um, and uh, once we get the research to a place where we can be mass market, like CVS Rite Aid, um, that that's the eventual plan. But there's a, there's... More human research that needs to be done, but before that,
0: that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Like I said, I, I love the ambition of it because yeah. you could just make it. You oh, could yeah. just make it and sell it.
1: We could, and and I wouldn't be able to sleep at night if I did that. You know, yeah. so I am taking the reishi. Um, we all take our own, you know, our own product. Well, actually, my co-founder doesn't like mushrooms. He he doesn't eat mushrooms. That's a story <laughs> in itself. But he is taking our rishi. and uh, you know, we're biased. You know, we, uh, inevitably we're biased, and so as scientists. Our goal and our promise to our consumers is we're, we're always fighting our biases you know, because we're trying to create products at a quality level worthy of ourselves and worthy of our own families. That was one of the f- driving reasons I started this company um, a few years back was my mother's my grandmother's 80th birthday and we we're, were in China and 80th is huge in China. I mean, I, I'm sure it's huge in a lot of places, but in China, it's it's big.
0: 80s the specific
1: big target. If you make it to 80, I mean, you're you know, God bless you. I and mean, yeah. this is, you know, you you have lived a glorious, lucky life, and everyone everyone comes. Your grandkids, everyone comes, and so we were celebrating the birthday, and there's a it was a huge feast um, at our house, and then there's. Um, a news report that comes on in the back and, and a direct translation was you know, 50 or 70 dead pigs show up in the Huangpu River. Oh. Uh, and, and I was stunned. My sister, we were, flabber- we were flabbergasted. and We were just yelling and, and my grandmother was like, oh, very nonchalant. And she said, yeah, that's alright. You know, that, okay, another day. That, that's not, you know, we're not surprised. And, and that reaction just surprised me more than the actual incident. Because it revealed something that I've, we've sort of known for a while. And, and if there's any other Chinese Americans out there listening, you, you can confirm this. In, in China, there's, um, there's not this trust, coming back to this, uh, this idea of trust between companies and, and civilians. It's a society that has always uh, worshipped the emperor, worshipped social workers, people that, that were teachers. Or, but when it came to businessmen and businesswomen, they're really actually on the lower tier of the of society, so you know it. It's not like in the West where oh, we yeah. have Bill Gates and you've got Mark Zuckerberg or, or Elon Musk and we revere them.
0: Well, yeah, and we, we take such. It's amazing. Uh, we take such reverence in corporations we, where we, we d- you know, we're starting to not to make this entirely political because that's not what we're doing here. But you know, we're treating corporations like people that that's they right. have rights. That's <laughs> and it's it's right. um we've kind of taken that uh, you know 180 degrees away from right you know, trusting, you know, trusting what they're doing because they're corporations, because they're beneficial.
1: That's right. And, and so that's, and, and in China, you have the society that's, that doesn't have a reverence of corporations. It's a society that reveres the people, you know, the leaders uh, and the, the cultural institutions. And then on top of that, because China didn't have an EPA in its 35 years of rapid industrialization, well, to be fair, no other country, U.S., U.K., Japan, Germany didn't have an EPA either. And so when you get a society that gets rapid industrialization and all you're caring about is growth, well, that growth comes from increased usage of energy, which comes from fossil fuels. And so where does all that waste, that smoke and that smog, where does that get dumped? Well, it gets dumped into water, gets dumped into the earth, into the trees, and it gets brought up into the ecosystem. And so that accumulation of, of pollution, of heavy metals specifically, is, is a danger to the acri- uh, agricultural system in China. And so that, that you look at the numbers, it's 60% of China's groundwater contaminated, 24% of China's forest lands, roughly 40% of China's grasslands are contaminated beyond human use. And it's probably higher than that.
0: And it's amazing because there's so much potential. Yeah. I mean, China's such a huge country with so much diverse land. That's right. That you can grow and produce... You know, amazing, astonishing things yeah. there. But if we're it's the damaging du- it.
1: It is the double-edged sword of, of human, and, and, uh, human ingenuity and, and, and industrialization. And so we're now in, in a time period in China where people still need to eat. And, and the people are getting wealthier. And so they're able to spend a little bit more on food and, and, and food luxuries. Um, but the country is not able to, to supply safe guaranteed safe uh, sources of these food, food supply. And so we saw that and we realized okay, this is a huge opportunity for us. You know, and if my grandmother is, is sitting there and we're celebrating her birthday and we've got mushroom dishes and other vegetarian dishes on, on, on the plate and, and I'm sitting here doubting and questioning whether there's heavy metals or, or what is in fact in this food then there's something is really wrong. Uh, something has to change. There, there needs to be companies or a company, a mixture of companies, coming in and saying, "All right, we're we're going to do this differently. We're going to guarantee your food and your medicine, which is all, oh, or a lot of it is natural product based in China as well, is safe. And this is why it's safe. You know, you know, we'll we'll produce certificate of analyses for every batch. You know, food wise, we'll we'll run." We'll run assays to determine there's no E. coli uh, or pathogens before we ship every product. Just taking the next step inevitably in, in, in making sure our food supply is safe. That no matter where you are on the planet, whether you're an American, whether you're Chinese, whether you're in, you're in Africa, I think everyone needs right, to, be, to, to have the safety of knowing that the food we're putting in our bodies and the food that we're putting in the bodies of our loved ones is safe and isn't killing us. Mm. Yeah, and so that that was, you see that I was like, okay, we we got to do this. Yeah, yeah,
0: <coughs> that's fascinating. Um, I think we're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna come back and talk about more of the culinary aspects and some of the challenges we have in that, yes, and sir. so many opportunities too.
1: Ooh, Mushrooms, mushrooms, mushrooms.
0: Hey everyone, I want to take a second to talk about a new project I'm part of that I'm really excited about, called Frankly. Frankly, he's trying to bring transparency to food sourcing, for restaurateurs, farms, and people that produce specialty goods. We want to make it easy to know that people are doing things the right way and to make it easy for people to find the places that are doing things the right way so you can grow your business because you care about what you're doing. If you have any interest in this product or just want to know more about it, you can email me stromie at phrank.ly.com. Or check out the website, frankly, p h r a n k dot ly. You mm-hmm. know, they're very flat and That's right. uh, lots of little growths on top of each other.
1: They call them head of the woods because they look like the, the rear end flume, plume of, 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 of chickens. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah. And these guys are, are wonderful. If you, if you speak to any Japanese chef, they'll tell you uh, because of its unique umami profile actually all all mushrooms give off umami flavor profile which as many of you are well aware of is essentially just a breakdown of of uh, amino acids to glutamic acids
0: and but i mean for for the reference umami's got essentially meatiness it's That's that right. savory character
1: it's the fifth fifth uh, taste yeah
0: and it's something that this is this is where for me mushrooms come in a in a huge way when i'm cooking when I'm cooking vegetarian, I want something that's rich mm-hmm. and hearty and it's got that just sticks to your ribs kind of flavor profile. Deriving that from mushrooms is a great way of doing that, whether it's in stocks or sautés or whatever. There's so many flavors to be generated from these.
1: Without any animal products. Yeah. That's the key here is, is because it's, it's, um, they're not plants. They're not animals. Fungi are, are in their own unique kingdom. And they're wonderful meat replacements, like Chris said, because they have similar compounds. They've got, they have protein. Actually, I want to make sure I'm getting this number right. Uh, we, we know oysters, or actually all, all mushrooms have all nine essential amino acids, but oysters specifically have 3.34 grams of protein in every 100 grams, which is roughly well, 0.22 pounds. And, and that number can be increased if, if you change the, the substrate up a little
0: bit. <clears throat> I guess that's an interesting, interesting statement is you can change the nutrition based on how you grow it. That's right. Is that something you guys are looking to yes. mess around with Very and so. figure out how to make it specifically different? How, yes. what, what kind of ways are you thinking about taking that?
1: So there, uh, without getting too in-depth into um, the technology, there's ways sure. if you increase the nitrogen – because we we know amino acids is nit- nitrogen based. You can certain strains can can um, uptake and create more amino acids. You can also um, through breeding create strains that um, have metabolic pathways that are more conducive to protein development. Um, and theoretically, we we may even be able to change texture as well.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: And so uh, and on top of that. Uh, there's um, a story I, I was told by one of our mycologists down in Colombia, and she spends, you know, every every couple months, she goes to the Amazon for a couple weeks. And she was walking a couple of years ago, and, and they were walking around, and she all of a sudden gets hit by this this width of, of garlic, strong, strong garlic, like, you know, Italian grandmother in the kitchen garlic. <laughs> and And she was, she thought it was garlic, and she looked around and she saw, Lo and behold, it was lentina, which is the genus for shiitake. It was a mushroom giving off this garlic smell. Huh. And so I'm going to leave that, just, just keep that in the back of your mind, guys, because that's what that really is, it's, it, it, there's, these, these fungal species have tremendous biosynthetic capacity, which means they're able to produce a very large range of compounds. Some of them are toxic, which is why I don't recommend... Newbies going out and pick pick mushrooms <laughs> only, only eat mushrooms that have been picked from wild. If you've done it with an expert that's been doing this for for decades,
0: yeah, it is. Um, it's always, it's definitely tempting to go out and try and find your yeah. own mushrooms. Don't
1: do it. Don't do it. It's <laughs> there are many cases of last year. I think there were seven, to, you know, seven to ten people that died in California. Wow, because of to, uh, toxic poisoning from from uh, wild cultivated mushrooms that they just picked up. Huh, and so. But if you get the right ones, um, and, and if preferably they're grown if they're grown from a company like ours, we you know, guarantee that they're they're safe. We can we can alter different strains and different substrate combinations to create unique flavor profiles and, and unique <clears throat> nutritional profiles.
0: That's a really fascinating idea. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm just I'm just imagining you know you can have stuff built in you know th- like you said that garlic aroma you or something could, like that. Yeah. 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 Huh. well let's let's talk about some of the some cooking techniques you can use on mushrooms because um, I've, I find that when I talk to people about eating mushrooms, there's a lot of people who are just generally averse to them. I'm not sure if it's a textural thing or an idea because it's a fungus, that it's um, oddly flavored or difficult to cook, but I, I kind of find it the opposite that they're extremely easy to cook, very versatile. And a lot of them have a fairly neutral flavor profile.
1: I, I actually, you hit it on top of the head, Chris. Uh, the, the biggest two uh, oppositions we hear from, from people to, to culinary mushrooms, A is texture. Uh, it's got a weird chewiness to it, <coughs> but not like a meat chewiness. And secondly, uh, and I'm not sure how they rank in comparison to each other, is fungophobia. And, and this is very dominant in, in, Western, in Western civilization, um, some of it it has roots in Catholicism. Uh, many of consumers back the way back in the day of of a certain fungal species were um, were pagans. Mm. Right, were the people in, in the different tribes and Native Americans and the the, the the Asians and and so we we all you know remember middle school history and and, and you know colonialism and so that really has passed down through many generations. Um, but the biggest, I, I would say the beginning of the mushroom industry in the U.S. was actually because of Italian immigrants moving to Pennsylvania. And so bless them, uh, the reason, you know, the Kennett Square exists in Pennsylvania is because of these immigrants coming over and saying, you know, we love mushrooms. They're a great source of protein. They're, they're, they've are they been part of the Italian diet for, for, for centuries. and And so I think a lot of people are familiar with different dishes using portobello mushrooms <laughs> and button mushrooms. And I, I would say eat more of those because those guys are good.
0: Absolutely, uh, and you know people. It's weird people identify with portobellos as an easy mushroom, when in reality it's one of the stronger flavored and aromad mushrooms around.
1: It, it, it does have a you know very distinct. Um, it does have a distinct flavor profile. It's so almost
0: it. a it's almost a weird mustiness that it has to it. Oh, I love it. But it, love it's that. super meaty, and yeah. you know the texture is rich and right. aggressive. Um, but it's weird. Some people consider that an easy mushroom. While if they look at, you know, like, well, we have those oysters in the kitchen, they'll see those as challenging.
1: So, I I mean, I, I guess it is just about market penetration. And those mushrooms, button mushrooms, gerkes, have been around longer. And so I guess w- what we're trying to do here is is bring in these new specialty mushrooms that are still specialty, but just as good. Um, but they're also, they have better functionality to them, meaning... Plorotis, maitake have health benefits, whereas uh, certain agaricus mushrooms have little or very, uh, or none at all. And when it comes to maitake, they actually taste better, uh, in my opinion, because they have a deeper umami flavor. And they have a more, uh, maitake itself has a meatier texture. It's, it's one of the only culinary mushrooms our, my co founder Chris will, will eat because it doesn't actually taste doesn't have that weird chewiness. And so I would say <coughs> one of the easiest things to do with this mushroom uh to to at least test out the flavor of it is is put it in stock, especially for the chefs out there. This plus some nori, you've got some brilliant vegan-based stock and oh, I mean just using using
0: seaweed and nori and stuff like that is so yeah. You can build so much flavor. Nori and
1: stock. mushrooms are like Peas in a pod—they're made to be with each other.
0: Yeah, we've we've started to mess around with that recently here. Yeah. you know, just buying like um, like mixed furikake. You know oh. the oh yeah, it's the, it's yeah, so yeah. delightful. That's right. Um, and for those who aren't, it's like a, it's kind of like a umami shaker. It's got, yep. You'll get a shaker. It's like a seasoning mix, but it'll have little strips of nori. it will have uh, sesame seeds, other seasoning, and you throw that on some rice, and you're just, it just takes. Takes what you know, any a simple rice and turns it into a complex, a complex flavor profile.
1: That's right. And and some of the other options on top of of stock is you know just try stir frying it. Try putting it in a pan with some butter or some olive oil. Um, You know, preferably less oil would be better because you wanna you wanna keep your fat intake down. But for those of you guys that like butter, hey, go at it put some salt put some pepper and and that itself is a dish.
0: And I know mushrooms are mushrooms really go well with they they react well against, you know, the the f- developed fats whether it's they do. right. butter, or olive oil or uh sesame oil or whatever they they kind of absorb flavors too. They
1: do. And in they, a lot of ways. So they're great as complements for for if you don't want to completely create a dish that has no meat in it, well, you can you can supplement some of your your meat. With mushrooms, and it will actually amplify the, the flavor profile. I actually don't know why. I don't, we're, we're probably will investigate why uh, in the future, but I do know it is because uh, it has just a different composition of, of amino acids, which uh, tastes a little bit different. Hmm. Yeah,
0: because I mean, so let's let's talk about those the oysters we have in the kitchen specifically. So, flavor on those is mild. It's pretty; they're pretty I light would flavor, say so. right?
1: The oyster mushrooms have, they don't have a distinctive, I don't, I wouldn't say they have a distinctive taste. It's their almost (coughs) lack of taste that's distinctive. There's a little bit of of mushroominess to
0: it. Yeah. Maybe not quite as much as like a puffball mushroom. It's not a
1: puffball mushroom. Because puffball has
0: almost no flavor whatsoever. it's not a truffle. No. It's not a truffle. No. Very, very, it's, I've had a couple of them. and it's weird. It's this weird spongy. Right. Um, no flavor whatsoever. While these, it's light. It's, it's a balanced thing.
1: It's, I would call it the gentle umami. Mm. I, I refer to it as a gentle umami, and it takes just a little bit of salt. And if you want to add some soy sauce to it, some pepper, some lemon zest, um, some some hot sauce. It w- w- works really well when you flavor it, but it doesn't require a lot of flavoring because it, it innately has that umami
0: ness to it. Mm. So, <clears throat> I guess I'll throw out what I've. What I'll do, and something I've used in a lot of, in a lot of uh, recipes, a uh, simple way to you know take that mushroom and, you know, sort of concentrate and enhance the umami side, is to, um, even if you're just looking at simple, uh, what what they call in the store the baby bella mushroom, which mm-hmm. is a oh, why am I forgetting the name of that offhand? It's not a white button, but... It's a garicus. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's similar. That's right. And you can use it on white button or whatever kind of mushroom is to, you know, use them in a pan, mm-hmm. get a sear on them, you know, develop some, develop some more of those flavors. And mushrooms really take well to searing, take oh, yeah. well to getting some of that Maillard reaction and, you know, getting browning on them. They really take well to that. So develop some of that and then kind of deglaze your pan. You know, you can cook some garlic in there with it, cook some shallots, deglaze your pan essentially with, with soy sauce, you know, use a light sodium or whatever you like. Um, obviously if you go to your (coughs) local Asian market, you can get, you know, dozens of different kinds of soy sauce, including mushroom based soy sauces. Oh, they are, which is fascinating.
1: I haven't haven't tried that before.
0: Yes. I mean, we could be really interesting flavor wise. Oh Wow. Yeah. Um, but you can get so many different varieties of soy sauce so tr- find one that suits you you know deglaze with that let it absorb those flavors maybe throw a little hot sauce in there or whatever and then you've got these huge umami bites that are seasoned and delicious and you've taken a mushroom that tastes generic or just tastes like a mushroom and turned it into something you'd be happy to highlight whether in a you know in a it could be a mexican dish could be anything you know you highlight those flavors and now it stands on its own as a full meat substitute instead of as, you know, oh, it's just a mushroom. You've kind of turned it into a a huge part and a huge actual, it's an actual thing now and it, it, it stands on its own. I've used it on pizza, I've used it in tacos, quesadillas, whatever. And even in a different, you know, even though it may have base Asian flavors, well, change it up. You know, season your season the soy sauce or season something else. Put cumin in there, and you know, use it in a taco or do whatever.
1: Right, that's right. I think the reason. Ooh, uh, I got (laughs) a nasty cough.
0: Yeah, I think we've it's that time of year. Everybody's got something going on. I can still feel it in my nose, but thankfully, I'm on the I'm on the upswing of uh, feeling a little bit down.
1: I would say the the reason being, people think of mushrooms. A lot of the times, as, as as Asian, it's just because they've been used in Asian cuisine quite a bit, and and that's because Asian cuisine values the umami flavor, the deliciousness. So, like Chris said, you know, be creative with this. Throw this in some Indian food. Throw this in some uh, some Mediterranean food. Actual, it's used in Europe, so it's used very widely.
0: I mean, I can imagine in I can imagine in Indian food, you know, the flavors you oh. can develop with the spice mixes. And all that stuff, you, could, I I made mean, a you delicious, could do amazing things.
1: Delicious tandoori a couple of weeks ago with with this and my talking. Unbelievable.
0: Mm, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I guess what I'd say to people is you know, try it out. Don't don't be afraid of it. Really be, you know, try something, even just substitute it for something you usually use. Treat it normally, develop some flavors, and don't don't shy away from it. There's a lot of opportunities. With the varieties that uh, that uh, you know George is growing down there, hopefully we'll see that a little more available, maybe That's at right. farmers' markets and um, you know in different restaurants um, in the coming year. And you know go go to a go to a store. Try enoki mushrooms.
1: Oh yeah, fantastic enoki. little Enokis mushrooms. Wonderful.
0: I love them. They're, yeah, they're yeah. little tiny. They look like little tiny button mushrooms on a long stick. Yep. <laughs> Texture is amazing too.
1: Great for really great for soups. In oh in yeah, like noodle soups.
0: Um, but yeah, and that's something I'll tell people a lot is walk around. And if you're in Rochester, you know, go down to Asia food market, walk around. It's a true supermarket Mm, That's right. and walk around that place and pick something you never tried before. Pick something new, try and cook it at home. Um, whether it's something, you know, aggressive and assertive, like a bitter melon or try a fish you've never cooked before. Um, a lot of opportunities to learn and grow as a cook. If you walk around places like that. And keep an open mind.
1: That's right, and and we are making our mushrooms available to uh, specifically to wholesale distributors. So first, if and, and you guys are <clears> chefs <throat> out there and, and running your own restaurants, hit up um, Joe DiFlippo and Chris from JFS, JFS Uh They have uh, they've placed purchase orders with our mushrooms, and and you you can expect them to to get you got some. If you guys don't work with JFS, hit up Stefan from Headwater Food Hub. Nice. Uh, we met with them a couple weeks ago and, and and they're growing their their business as well and they would love to get some of our mushrooms.
0: Yeah, Headwater's doing great things yeah. with making uh making local food available to that's restaurants right. a little easier.
1: That's right, that's right. And if for some reason you don't want to hit up any of those, um hit up hit us up and directly. Uh you can follow us on Instagram, it's Empire Medicinals, also on Twitter, Empire Medicinals. And uh, our website is www.empiremedicinals.com. You can reach us through there as well. And we we'd love to hear from you guys. If there's any other mushrooms that you've had on your travels to Asia or Peru or somewhere, and and, and you would like us to grow it, uh, just just hit us hit us a heads up, and then we'll try our best.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, got your plug. So um, I'm at Stromy on Twitter and Instagram, Food About Town on Facebook. George thanks for coming over man this is fascinating thanks for having me Chris this beautiful. is beautiful hopefully I uh, get a chance to check out the facility and when I do I'll take some pictures and uh, share it out to everybody so we're looking
1: forward to that thanks man
0: yeah